Good morning. Good morning Mary. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, the Lord has been making these days very convenient for me. He hasn't been raining during church, which I like. He's been raining at night, which I like. I hate being on the roads when it's wet and everybody's driving like crazy nuts. And I, as I look out there, I'm not speaking of any of you individually. Um, just kind of in mass. <laughs> But a gorgeous day, and we're going to enjoy it because I think we're getting that the Lord is going to really bless us with some rain tonight, okay? So let's enjoy it here and, uh, and be glad in it. Again, as we come to our last announcement here, I'm going to invite Brian to share with you our mission moment. As a random aside before the mission moment, just a random fun story. Since Gary's leading the uh, trip to Greece, my freshman year of college, I was a history minor, and... Uh, I had a friend of mine volunteer to type one of my papers for me. I wrote it up, so she spent the entire night up in the computer lab typing away my, my paper. 7.45, I ran to the computer lab, picked it up, dropped it off in my class at 8 o'clock in the morning, was all excited to turn to my paper on ancient Greece. Days later, I got my paper back saying, why did you write about an ancient hamburger? Well, she wrote Greece, G-R-E-A-S-E. So my entire paper was about um, an ancient Greece. So. I thought I'd share that in trip, so because our prayers are that Gary doesn't slip on the grease. <laughs> all right. So that all aside, I have the joy and the privilege to come and share our mission moment for this month. As you know, uh, our church, uh, for years or for as, as long as we've been a church, has had our pastor's discretionary fund. That fund is an opportunity for uh, the ministers to meet the needs of people all over the community and beyond, to meet the needs of individuals who come in and share with us and speak with us. About five or six years ago, uh, we began, the Outreach and Social Concerns Committee began a fund called the We Care Fund. And this fund is specifically to meet the needs of members within our own church family, people here in our church who uh, may be in need. As you know, most of us get unexpected bills at some point in our life, be it medical bills, be it um, utilities are higher than expected, whatever the case might be, those, those unexpected uh, bills that come up. And this We Care Fund is to assist people who maybe fall on some financial hard times or have some tough, uh, tough times that they don't know where the resources are going to come from. Over the five or six years, we average about $4,000 of, of what we give, what Gary and I give confidentially to members of our congregation, to people in, in need here within our walls. So we want to continue to offer this opportunity to, to uh, help people in our congregation. You know, scripture is pretty clear to take care of the widows and the orphans. Uh, scripture is pretty clear. Paul used to take up an offering that he would bring back to the church in Jerusalem to meet the needs of people there in Jerusalem. You know, we have a mandate as a church to care for our brothers and sisters here in our community. Uh, so I want to encourage you, invite you, if you'd like to make a donation to our Mission of the Month, to the We Care Fund, to help people in our congregation. Uh, I ask in the memo line of a check, just write the We Care Fund. You can put it in the mission envelope that's in your pew. And uh, should you or someone you know in our church be in need or of assistance, Please talk to myself or Gary. This is exactly why we have this fund. So thank you very much. We're going to have to do what the choir says. Stand up and bless the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
May we join together now in our hymn of celebration, number 254, We Three Kings. Three kings in splendor went 
driving in search of the Lamb of God. And as they travel before them, his star, it shone so bright, three kings in splendor went riding into the Judean
Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise as we come before you today. For we do come on bended knee with open hearts, knowing that you do hear our prayers. And for this we rejoice, to know that not only do you hear, but that you answer in your time and in your way. And for this we give you thanks. As we come to you, gracious God, we give you our praise and our thanks for the beauty of your creation, for the gorgeous weather that you've created, for the joy of relief with the rain that brings refreshing and new life. So too, may your spirit pour out today that we might experience a newness and a refreshing in our spiritual life, that our faith might be renewed and restored to grow as we come to you in prayer. On this day, as we lift up our prayers, we do rejoice for all of the blessings and the celebrations that we remember and that we celebrate, to give our thanks for the anniversaries and birthdays, to give thanks for family and opportunities, to give thanks for the abundant blessings that we don't always see or acknowledge, but that you continue to lavish upon us. And as we give our thanks and our praise, gracious Lord, may we continue to lift up the concerns, the hurts, the sins in our lives and lay them before your altar this day to know that you continue through your grace and your mercy to reach out and to restore us, to heal us, to bring comfort and peace where there is hurting. As we offer our prayers to you, Lord, you know the things that weigh in our lives, the people who we hold dear and cherish, who we lift up in prayer. But you also know the strangers among us who we might not always introduce ourselves to in the world and around. So on this day, as we come to you in silence, may we lift up the face of the strangers. May we lift up those in our lives that we don't always remember to pray for. May we come to you now in silence just to give you thanks and praise. Merciful and loving God, we ask that you continue to hear our prayers, that we understand your call to pray without ceasing, and that by lifting our prayers, we remember that we pray not alone, for our voices are lifted up with those around the world from every tongue, tribe, and nation who continue to lift up the prayer that your son Jesus taught. So on this day in worship, in community, and in fellowship with all the saints, the world over, may we too raise our voices in prayer through the prayer that your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, taught, that we too may pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
May the ushers come forward as we receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings. We ask that you'll be faithful to bless these and multiply them as we are faithful to use these for your ministry throughout this community and around this world. Through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen and receive a reading from the Word of God. May we affirm our faith and joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, 
wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it was, so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be unto God. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the reading of the word, and once more we find our lives confronted by it. May your spirit open our hearts to receive this word, and by your spirit to live it. As good seed that finds its way to good soil and digs deep roots and brings forth harvest, may now this, the seed of the word of God, dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God, and in whose name we pray. Amen. Today is Epiphany Sunday. You know it's Epiphany Sunday because the altar cloths have been turned to white. We see the Epiphany banner of the wise men coming to give homage to Christ. But I suppose that Epiphany season, which we are in right now, is one of the least understood of the regular church rituals of the calendar. We all understand what Easter means. We all understand what Advent and Christmas means. Most of us have a good guess at what Pentecost is all about. And we even have some understanding about the season of kingdom time. But with Epiphany season, it's, it's a little bit different. Even the time we celebrate it is up to discussion within the Eastern and the Western churches, celebrating both Christmas and Epiphany a week apart and different from one another. But the day for the Western church is established as 12 days after Christmas, following that on January 6th, the 12 days, will be the time in which we celebrate the first day of Epiphany. Now, Epiphany is also known as the Three Kings Day, or the Feast of Epiphany. Epiphany simply means manifestation or showing forth. It is also called Theophany, 
according to the Eastern Church. Epiphany refers not only to the day last Friday, but to the season that we celebrate, but it always varies because it is dependent upon the actual starting of Lent. And that depends on the start of Easter, and that depends on whether you're in the Western Church or in the Eastern Church, and that depends on whether you know when the vernal equinox begins, <laughs> and a lot of other things. But it was one of the oldest feasts in the church, even before the date of December 25th was chosen as Jesus' birth date. The date of Epiphany was already there. It was important to note that this all came because of the Gregorian and Julian calendars, because the whole world did not accept the same calendar that the other did, and that's why we have all of these variations of dates even within the church. Culturally, January 6th is 12 days after Christmas. Do we have a song about that? <laughs> it marks not only the end of the Christmas holidays, but also the start of what? The carnival season, which ends with? Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. I thought you Methodists partied more than this. In some European countries, such as the Czech Republic and Slovakia, children dress up as the three kings and they visit homes. In their role as the kings or wise men, they sing about Jesus' birth and pay homage to the king of kings. And they are rewarded with praise and better with cookies. Dia de las Reyes Magos in the Latin American celebration celebrates Epiphany. And it is the three wise men, not Santa Claus, who you write your letters to, and it is to him, uh, not that you are naughty or nice, but you have to convince uh, three people that you have been naughty or nice. <laughs> In France, Le Jour de Roy, the Day of Kings, sometimes called the Fée de Roy, is celebrated with parties for children and adults, and the Gala de Roy, or the Cake of Kings, highlights these celebrations of kings. The kids love this particular ceremony where the, the cake is um, round and flat, and it's cut hidden away in a pantry. And then it's bring out with a, covered with a linen sheet and carried in the dining room with great fanfare. And the kids absolutely love it as the cake is unveiled and they're able to have a piece of it. Children in Spain fill their shoes with straw or grain so they can feed the camels of the three kings. And then they place their shoes on the balconies by the front door on Epiphany Eve, and the next day, there they find, in place of their shoes, cookies, sweets, or gifts in their place. Many cities in Spain on Epiphany Eve, accompanied by military and bands and drummers in medieval dress, march into the gates of the villages and towns. The word Epiphany comes from the Greek, of course, and you have all used it, I think, at some time or another. Have you ever sat down and all of a sudden a thought came to you and you said, wow, was that ever an epiphany? And what that means is simply where you were darkened on something, all of a sudden it became clear to you. All of a sudden you, you knew what this was about. All of a sudden you understood something of essential truth. And this is why it is also associated with light, as it is in the star that shone as the wise men came to the place where Jesus was born. For if you go into a dark room and you cannot see your way, when you turn on the light, all of a sudden 
you can see what it is in the room. It is made manifest to you. It appears to you. It is able to be able to see what is in the room. And we know that that means that we see something that we did not see before. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 talks about this. And he says in our lives that we can often be as those who look through a glass darkly or dimly. Have you ever been to an old building? And you came up to it, you wanted to see inside of it, maybe it had that frosted grass, or maybe just dirty, and you tried to look inside of it, and you, you scraped it off with your hand or a rag, and you could kind of see inside, but you couldn't really see inside. This is what St. Paul was talking about. He said, this is our lives now, where we only see in part. We cannot see the full glory of God. But he said, though we cannot see now in part, there will come a day when we shall fully see as we have been fully seen by God. That we come into a place in our lives where the light of God comes in and directs our ways. And as we seek God in this wonderful time of the year in Epiphany, we understand that God is a light and that the light of God comes to direct us in the way. Now the story of the visit of the Magi, or the three kings as they are often called, is traditionally associated with Epiphany because of this image of the revelation of light and uh, bringing the message of Christ to the nations. And some of you may have thought, why is it so long after Christmas did we sing today, we three kings? Why did the choir have an anthem that talked about the kings? Why are we waiting till now to sing this Christmas carol? Well, it's not a Christmas carol. It's an Advent carol. As the scriptures plainly show to us, the wise men were not at the birth of Jesus. They came later. Matter of fact, they did not come to a manger. It says they came into a house. And after Herod clearly and articulately asked of them when the star first appeared, it was then that he would send his soldiers in to kill the baby Jesus with every child two years and under. So we know that probably the wise men did not get there for two years. And so that is why this all happens after Christmas in the story of the birth of Jesus. I've always been amazed as I've been in great art museums around the world, how they portray the three kings. Oftentimes you see the kings portrayed as they come from a far distance and they're, they're following a star. And others show the three kings bowing down and giving homage as they give their gifts of gold and myrrh and frankincense. And all of these symbols are very important for they are symbolic in what they mean about Jesus Christ. And of course, the gold is pretty simple to understand. Everybody needs a little bit of that. But the frankincense was something that was used in worship in the temple. And if you've ever been to a Catholic church and you've been in a high mass and you were there for all the bells and the smells, yes. <laughs> and you saw the censer being waved by the priest or by the altar boy, that symbol of that coming up was to symbolize the Holy Spirit bringing our worship up unto God. But the material that is made to burn that is an essence frankincense. And so as they brought this to Christ, it was to say that we worship him. And then, of course, the, the myrrh is a little bit harder to understand, but myrrh was used for the embalming of the dead. And so even as Jesus was born, so would he also die for the world. But the thing that many people don't understand as well is that um, 
myrrh is also a salve. And it can be used for such irritations as diaper rash in babies. So the wise men weren't so far off, were they? <laughs> Matthew tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the land of Judea. He does that for a purpose, a very important purpose. You see, there were two Bethlehems. One was in the north in Galilee, and the other was down there. They wanted everyone to know which Bethlehem he was talking about. He tells us that the visiting magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, who is the one who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star rise in the east. Now, we've often asked, who were these wise men, these magi, these astrologers? We often ask, where did they come from? Most modern scholars think that they came from the area of modern-day Iraq or Iran, which is not exactly a popular Jewish holiday destination. <laughs> they probably wouldn't have aroused quite the fear of the modern-day Arab arriving in Jerusalem asking for directions to local maternity hospital would but they wouldn't have been especially welcome in the first century, particularly if they were seen to be half Jews, which they may have been, or half breeds married to Gentiles, and they were perhaps men who had studied the writings of Daniel and were, like him, skillful in wisdom and understanding in all visions and dreams, and in this they understood what the sign in the sky had meant. But they saw the sky, they saw the star, they followed its light, and was revealed to them where Christ was to be born. In this time of epiphany, the church pauses a moment to ask each one of us, have we followed the star to not only celebrate that Jesus was born, but have we followed the star that we might worship him? Do we allow the light of Christ so to fill our lives that it shines out to all the people around us. My friends, we live in some dark days these days. The, the world is crazy. There's war and rumors of war. There's starvation and hunger. There's so many things that are happening that uh, when you pick up the morning newspaper, just like we had a couple days ago at the Port Lauderdale Airport, when someone not only kills someone you do know, just kills people they don't even know. What's wrong with the world? And the world needs light. And the only place that the world receives light is when it is reflected through us. You see, this is what Epiphany is about. How each one of us can take the shining star of Bethlehem and as it rays hits us in worship that we too might let it pour out and guide the lives of those around us. Every one of us needs to be the light of that star in this dark world, in the times in which we live. Just after this service, I'll be on my way for a funeral. A three-day-old baby. How do you bring the light of God to a young couple who have lost their first son in this time of the year? I'll take your prayers, if you will. All I can do, is all any of us can do, is to simply point to the star 
and let the shining light of Christ touch their lives that in the midst of their sorrow, in the midst of the darkness, that they'll somehow, some way, see the love and the light of God to strengthen them and get them through a time that none of us would ever want to go through ourselves. That's what Epiphany is all about. So I pray today that the light will shine through you to make a difference in the lives of someone else because that is the light of Christ that will change the world. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks that epiphany means that we are the light that can reflect the light of Christ. It is not our light. It is the reflection of that light. But help us, O God, to so find our lives in him that he will be able to be seen by others. And the light might guide our ways. The light might be with those here today who are facing sickness or problems, who have lost a loved one, who is facing a a deep problem. I pray for every one of us here today, O Lord, we might know your light. Might it brightly shine and fill our hearts, our lives, and souls with the gift of epiphany, which is the light of Jesus Christ, that once having been lit, can never go out if it burns brightly within us. In his name we pray. Amen. May I invite you to join our hymn of dedication, number 400, Come Thou Font of Every Blessing.
hands of those standing near you as we receive our choral benediction. As you hold one another's hand, may the star that we see continue to burn brightly within your heart, that we will run without growing tired, that we will be the light of Christ to this world to go forth and to love and to serve and to share for this world a love so amazing, so divine. So now may we go forth in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.